Welcome to the Playlist Podcast, a weekly discussion of films and TV. I'm your host, Charles Barth. we call it a weekly discussion of films and TV anymore? (laughs) Bi-weekly? We're going to be bi-weekly. We'll be bi-weekly, I promise people. Um, But yeah, I'm your host, Charles Barfield, who just interrupted me rudely, was Mike D'Angelo, but we're also joined by Brian Farver. Um, Typically, I'd start with a silly question and a joke for the podcast, but I feel like telling jokes right now is a bit of a hot button issue in the world of movies after the Oscars. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that one alone. What happened? Did something happen? Are you kidding me? Oh man, old man Farber. Someone, someone best slap him with some news. Wait, wait, oh, wait. Oh, the slap. Are we talking about that that show with Zachary Kinto? Yep, that's exactly <laughs> it. I did see a tweet uh, that were saying like, man, NBC missed the boat on the subject matter for the slap. <laughs> <laughs> or like, I think it was either that or it was like, if NBC needs a reboot, they've got it right now. You know. <laughs> For sure. But I assume, Brian, you're being facetious. I am being, there's, yeah, facetious is my middle name. Or actually, no, as we discussed, it is Lewis. Yancey. Oh, yeah. Yancey. Um, yes. So for this week's episode, we got quite a bit to cover. Uh, first, we're going to talk about some of the recent news items, including the aforementioned Oscars and the slap heard around the world. Uh, we're not going to get too much into the nitty gritty of that, but we're going to, you know, it was the Oscars, which is like, quote unquote, the biggest night in TV or biggest night in TV, biggest night in uh, film. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some behind the scenes drama involving Tom Cruise and the Mission Impossible franchise. We're going to look at the uh, the new Joker from the Batman, as well as some other quick tidbits. And then uh, we're going to transition to talk about our main topic for the week, which is Panic Room. Um, no, you weren't just transported into DeLorean back in time to the early 2000s. Actually, this week marks the 20th anniversary of the David Fincher film, and it's an interesting to talk time to talk about all that has changed over the past two decades since Panic Room was released, and how the 2002 thriller is viewed now, 20 years after its uh, debut. Before we get to that discussion, gotta tell you, the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, The Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, The Discourse, Bingeworthy, and more. Basically, whatever Mike D'Angelo is doing this week. Damn right. You can call me <laughs> Captain Podcast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but if you want to find everything that Mike D'Angelo is doing this week, you can check our <laughs> podcast app of choice, which is Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, anywhere else you find your favorite shows. Okay, boys. So we're going to start Two with some news. binge worthy dropping this week, just enough for <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that because I think that's kind of going to be the main theme of the show is, is, is TV, oddly mm-hmm. enough, when we talk yeah. about movies, but um, quite a bit of TV to talk about. But before we get to that, let's, uh, let's talk about the Oscars. Um, First, we got to just mention, you can't talk about the Oscars without what happened with Will Smith and Chris Rock, if you live under a rock, uh, no pun intended. Oh, that's, that's um, awesome. awesome joke. It was, it was completely unintended, I swear. I'm better than that. Uh, then you know that Will Smith uh, got into a physical altercation with Chris Rock and got into it, meaning walked up on stage, slapped him, and then walked off stage, then cursed at him twice on live TV. It was pretty epic. Um, lots of lots of emotions. Some people were like, yay, protecting his family. Some people are like, ooh, slapping a presenter at the Oscars. What the hell? Some people are like, eh, it's fake. Um, I, <laughs> I, I don't believe people, it was fake. Um, I'm not going to get into the conspiracy theory aspect of it because I think that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but just quickly, uh, do you guys have any quick thoughts about the slap? Is it is it done, you know? Less than 24 hours. Like, are we done talking about it yet? Will Smith, about an hour ago, did finally issue like his own personal apology to Chris Rock and the Academy and everybody. So, I mean, a little late, right? It is for sure. Um, It's not like he had a podium or anything he could have done it from. Yeah. I think he was just, he was 
I think a lot of people were pulling at him, like publicists, and then he's got yeah, Denzel and Tyler Perry, and like, and he's probably going, "Oh shit, what did I just do?" And man, yeah. I mean, I, there were whispers about like, will they take away his Oscar? Which yeah. would obviously they they're not going to do that. That would be they're not going to do it. They may suspend him from the Academy or whatever it is. Whatever that means. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Um. So I mean, it it was fascinating television. I'll tell you that I watched it live. Uh, and texted you about it but you had already gone to bed because you didn't have to watch the oscars for hell yeah and i was just like holy crap that was it was one of those things like on live tv it played a lot different than the video that circulated ultimately yeah it was a very like edited and they attempted to kind of black out some of it and they did manage to do it but you could see you saw the slap you saw the like confusion and then you like her they muted the audio and you just saw him mouthing, mouthing the words yeah. <laughs> which are very clear yeah it, it um, always it always makes me laugh when you watch like nfl stuff or, or any sporting event or any live tv where there there's a curse and yeah. i mean the f word like we all know what that mouth looks like right like mm-hmm. oh well boy. that and he said it twice so it was like what is that yeah. and then you're like oh oh oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> It's funny because, well, it's not funny. This is actually kind of ridiculous. But uh, when you watch the unedited version, the people in the audience had no clue. Like, no, at, per- I at first, it was a joke too, yeah. at first. Yeah. Yeah. People are like, oh, the slap. And so you hear the crowd. It's like a wave of emotions. You know, they're laughing at the slap because they think it's all put on. Then he goes back and then he says it once, um, you know, keep my wife's ma- name out of your mouth, blah, blah, blah. And everybody's like, wait, what? And then he said it that second time, and you could hear a pin drop. Yeah, you, yeah. Lupita Nyong'o's reaction has been very much, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, the, joked about and and looked at. But uh, yeah, she was the eyes of the audience in that case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think we want to spend too much time on this, just because it, it really has no bearing on no. the film it, industry. It, it's it more was of a fascinating television. Yeah, yeah Brian, yes. what do you think? Oh yeah, it was it was absolutely fascinating, and I unfortunately. I didn't see it live, but I did see the the first thing was the, yeah, the unedited version. So that was pretty incredible. Um, I guess to circle back to what you first said, like, is this going to die down? I think either A, it's going to die down quickly, or it absolutely will not. And it just will keep going for unnecessarily going for a while because it is, at the end of the day, this is all very stupid. Um, <laughs> this is just a stupid thing that happened that, you know, it, there's, there's so many different arguments that could, that could come out of this. Um, it, yeah, it is. I'm not, I will not deny. I agree with you, Mike. It is pretty darn incredible that it, that it happened, but also like, I, I guess if I had my druthers, if I could write the script here, I would rather it just go away soon. I'll be curious about, you know, so they are filing charges or no, 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 no. So the, this, again, if you're listening, a lot has been happening at a quick pace. So by the time this yeah. podcast is published, things could have changed. But as of this recording, Will Smith has publicly apologized in a written statement on Twitter, Instagram, or both, I forget. And basically he said, you know, I apologize. I let the emotions get the best of me, blah, blah, blah. A kind of a, a reworked version of his emotional speech. But this time he actually one did that was apologize. more coherent. <laughs> yeah, it was more coherent. And he actually yes. did apologize to Chris Rock, which I think was important. Um, as far as the Academy goes, 
Uh, they are investigating. I know that the board of governors yeah. or whatever is investigating. Um, they are discussing, like we were saying, uh, discussing sanctions possibly, um, but nothing has been announced. Uh, they publicly do not condone violence, um, which is, as I, I texted Mike, very interesting thing to do after you let somebody get assaulted on TV and then give him an award. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that was an odd turn of events. Yeah, um, big time. But yeah, I mean, is Will Smith going to get, you know, persona non grata in Hollywood? No, he's fine. Um, he's, you know, going to make I Am Legend 2 and people are going to forget all about this. Um, will Chris Rock be fine? Yes, he's one of the funniest men on the planet. It was a bad joke. Um, yes. Content wise and actual joke wise, it just wasn't very funny. Um, and, and, you know, whatever. Well, what? I, I have a quick question. Like, I, I want to know what you guys think about what he said immediately after uh, Will Smith swore at him. And when he said like, cause he kind of paused and then he said like, well, that was the greatest night in television or whatever it was. He said, <laughs> you guys, do you guys think that he handled that? Like as best he could, oh, I mean, yeah. he's, he's, in he's comedy, an MVP he's in improv. Like, I, I don't know if like there was a better thing he could have said or done. No. I've watched that now numerous times to see if he yeah. is he shaking at that moment. Like, I don't know. I know. I like to know your there, thoughts. That's what, that's a what, moment. No, no, go, go ahead, ahead, Mike. I was going to say, that's what I think people thought it was fake for. It was because how well Chris Rock handled it. Yeah. Because that oh, man yeah. stood there, took it, laughed it off, made a joke about, you know, you know, it's just G.I. Jane, you know, <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah. And then uh, and then he continued on and gave Questlove a documentary award. Like, I, I don't I don't think I would have had the wherewithal to to take it like that not saying i'd yeah. fight will smith i'd probably run off crying like a little baby but <laughs> like you know like props to chris rock for for having the composure you could see there was a moment where he was considering letting loose on will smith yeah. and he could have too that's, that's true this guy not that chris rock could physically beat up will smith. no i meant verbally like yeah he was chris say stuff. chris rock chris rock's weapons are his words and he was obviously holding back even with the GI Jane joke, right? Like it could yeah. have gotten really gross. Um, True. And, and it didn't. And again, the restraint, man, the fact that he didn't press charges, I think is also commendable only he could have. And I would have been totally fine with it because he was assaulted in front of millions of people. But the fact that he was just like, no, I just, this is embarrassing for everybody involved. I just don't want to, you know, and I don't even think right. he's spoken publicly either. Um, he has not. Will he turn it into a 45 minute special on HBO? Probably. Oh, that's and more power to him. Special for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like he, yeah, he has the right to, but you know, personally, it was fun in the sense that it was like, whoa, shocking. But I'm, I'm just kind of over it already. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be one of those things like, I don't know that there's anything that's going to top the slap unless somebody plans it, you know? Right. Um, True. So I don't think they can go bigger next year. Uh, my, as far as drama goes my favorite joke uh, I shared it with you guys on uh, on on text came from Adam Pally the actor comedian <laughs> yeah, <I saw> <laughs> did you guys read this he said and I quote um, keep Paul Walker's name out of your effing mouth Vin Diesel standing over my bloody body at next year's people's choice Awards." <laughs> that I think is is kind of sums it up for me just it's so ridiculous um, yeah. but but the Oscars are the Oscars and it wasn't all the slap. They actually gave out some awards. Um, so Wait, the big, yeah, the big award oh. actually after the fact was Coda. 
Sure. That was the response yes. I was expecting. <laughs> um, you know, if I, I liked Coda, come on, fine. I know. It like, was fine. But, yeah. but was it the movie of the year? No. Yeah, was it? Not. Let's all agree that the Oscars never picks the movie of the year. Sometimes it gets it right. Parasite, I think, was the movie of the year. Um, sure. And Moonlight is incredible. Typically what happens is you argue about what the winner is because there were so many good movies that everybody has a legitimate argument. I don't think any of the pundits were like, Coda should win. There was no (laughs) should win. There was Coda will win. um, But nobody was like, dude, Coda deserves this. Like Jane Campion's over there like, what? (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I I, I think that was kind of... it was about a, we we say this term quite a bit, but it was it was a bit like a wet fart, right? <laughs> it just kind of well, it's because of the silent clapping. Is that why you're thinking it was? It's more just, than it was? <laughs> no, 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 no. It was more the just like of all the ways <laughs> to end. You mean like that? <laughs> all the the ways to end the Oscars, like a Coda win was just like oh god. Yeah, I like, mean, the, Coda is a is a perfectly fine movie, um, but. It is, it is the four quadrant. It's the one that's most universal and yeah. you can watch with your parents and, and yeah, that's fine. That's the one that's going to win green. It's, book. it's it, well, so green book yeah. is going to get brought yes. up a lot. Um, I felt like we would have seen a lot of green book memes last night. If Will Smith didn't do what he did. Um, I think those will come those comparisons to green book, to traffic, to things like that, where there, these are movies that, you know, in hindsight, we're like, well, you know, Shakespeare in love. Shakespeare in Love. I think that's oh, more luck, apt um, because I think I think Green Book and Traffic and uh, movies like The Help. In hindsight, now we're looking at them like those are pretty. You know, whoa, the politics, whatever. You know, the 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 social the sociological aspects of the movie. Whereas yeah. this movie, I think, is just perfectly fine. It's just not all that great. Um, is it a artistic achievement better than Dune? No. No, no. Is it better shot and written and more emotional than Power of the Dog? Eh, probably not. Is it just something that the family can gather around and watch on a Thanksgiving and everybody's going to be okay? Sure. Yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe Grandma will learn something. Yeah. So uh, other than that, there were some snubs. Power of the Dog didn't win nearly as much as people were thinking. Um, Dune won the Mad Max Awards. Um, yeah. basically every technical thing that it was up which for which i was it happy won. to see it win all it could you know yeah I yeah it was going to drop off towards the end of the night which it did uh, no no big surprises as far as the actors go uh mm-hmm. ariana debose uh one for west side story which everybody's predicting will smith won for king richard everybody's predicting that um the the I'm sorry, I'm blanking Jessica on his Chastain. name. Well, oh, yeah. Chastain. I guess Chastain. I think the, the best actress category was kind of a crapshoot, but Chastain, I think, was a, a solid choice as far as that goes. She won the the makeup and uh, prosthetics award this year, um, you know, where it's like, you know, she she changed. She went ugly, quote unquote. And yeah, that's, her. you know, that kind of always gets that extra nod sometimes. But yeah, it was, a you know, the awards themselves were just kind of like meh. Was it a big deal that they gave those awards out in the pre-show ceremony? That kind of sucked considering that the Oscars were actually longer than last year. Um, but <laughs> just imagine I mean, if they kept them. I know, I know. It's yeah. just, you know, they really got to figure out a way to do everything and make it. I think the problem is, is they're trying to make this. Well, okay. Actually, I'll pose this question to you guys. Because another thing I wanted to talk about was the fan voted categories. 
Uh, <laughs> um, because this is every year, not yeah. maybe not every year. It seems like every year the Academy tries something to uh, reinvigorate, you know, the Oscars and to attract those young eyeballs, those TikTok teens, you know. And this year they're like, we'll let them vote on Twitter. That's a good idea. And they, it wasn't. Is it just me, or did they make it seem like this was an Oscar category, and yeah. whoever won yeah. was going to get a statue? That well, kind of, oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah. Nobody got a statue. No, uh, they got some kudos. Like, hey, look at what you did! Yay! Bye. Don't tell the Snyder Cut fans that. Though. That's pretty much it, though. You, well, Zach Snyder's you Justice League is now an Oscar-winning movie. It's not. It's <laughs> not. It won you, go you go on Twitter. You go on Twitter and you do that. Show me the statue. <laughs> you you gonna shake down Zack Snyder? <laughs> yeah. Because okay, so let's put some context for people who don't really know what we're talking about. This year they decided to attract the teens by doing a Twitter voting for fan favorite categories, like fan favorite movie of 2021, which went to Army of the Dead because everybody loved that movie. Go listen to my talk about that movie. Um, and then Zack Snyder's Justice League won the most cheer worthy moment, not of 2021, not of the 2020s not of 2000s of film history yeah yeah bullet time was number five <laughs> and number one was the flash flash running into the I'm speed gonna force stop time daddy uh scene that i just fucking like, hated dear Lord. that is the Lord. greatest cheerworthy moment in all of cinema <sighs> i mean that's a that's a catastrophe that's sad. so so my question to you guys is is there anything that they can do to make the Oscars relatable to anybody who isn't either a in the business or b obsessed with movies like us? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it, there's, it's hard. I mean, like I, I look back over the past few years and you know how much they had to adopt last year or adapt last year, you know, due to COVID. And I guess, I don't know, is, was this year kind of, still feeling some residual effects of that. I mean, it, I think back to the ceremonies we watched when we were growing up, these big grandiose affairs. And I, I, I miss that kind of, but I also recognize that as being very old school. So I, I don't think, I, I, I don't know. I was thinking about that too, actually, because I do remember being, being super excited for the Oscars because you would see like, you know, this Hollywood legend standing next to this Hollywood legend yeah, talking about exactly. movies. Exactly. Yes. And I think what it is, is there are no more legends. We've, we've broken <laughs> down that barrier yeah. right now. So you're saying Liza Minnelli and Lady Gaga at the end didn't get you or no old Al Pacino <laughs> and Robert De Niro who didn't say there? a word. Well, so here's the thing, right? That's all well and good, but we, we don't have that barrier of entry anymore. Will Smith I hate bringing it back to him, but he's just the most apt example has like a YouTube channel, a huge social media following. His wife has a talk show. His kids are always talking and making music. We see a lot always of Will Smith talking. And making. <laughs> we see a lot of Will Smith in our lives. It's not special to see him at the Oscars, right? Uh, I love your description of his kids. I agree. They're, they're fine kids. I'm sure. But <laughs> here's the but you understand what i'm saying like it's no longer yeah. special the specialness no. isn't there and you know how i know they're losing uh because people like us are almost no longer interested right yeah they're barely hanging on with us the huge film buffs who you know live and breathe for this stuff <laughs> right and yeah. they've tried things right like so uh dark knight doesn't get um a best picture nomination so they go and they increase it to 10 
and it doesn't really and then spider-man doesn't get nominated yeah and and then you're like okay and so they're like we'll we'll do fan favorite and then they wanted to do uh two years ago or three years ago now they wanted to do the popular best popular movie and people lost their shit that was actually going to be a category i think that would have been better than fan would it have been because sure like sure like spider-man no way home would have won Yes. Or would it have, you know, what, what's a popular movie, you know, like anyway, saying army of the dead would have won. No, I'm just saying that it's <laughs> stupid. Give out awards. Don't try to get the TikTok generation. Don't try to get anybody other than your bread and butter, make it four hours long. Cause these people are going to watch it anyway. And you know, just do a stupid award show. Don't try to like reinvent the wheel every year. Cause know. it's embarrassing. I don't know. I, I'm kind of someone who is like, you have to figure out a way to incorporate the movies that actually matter to people. And if you're not going to acknowledge these Marvel movies and, you know, all these big blockbusters, um, it's you're going to lose interest because these well, are the stuff that's the stuff that has interest in money. I, so I, I agree. But at what point does it turn into the you MCU? don't let it dominate the show? You just you, you give it one category like they were going to do, but people got pissed about it. Right. So I think what you were going to say, Brian, is when does it become the MTV Awards? Right. And exactly. this was my joke with with you guys in the uh, when we would I have would our like little to group see chat. them incorporate sliming if that's right. what we're going. For. No, like the fan favorite <laughs> award felt just one step removed from best kiss. Right. <laughs> yeah, it yes. did. It felt like, OK, we're just going to get <gasps> we best do duo. Yeah. Like, ugh. <laughs> let's not give them ideas. But regardless, um you see it in the ratings because that's one of the last things I want to talk about with the Oscars is the ratings were up 56%, which everybody's like, holy shit, this was huge. But right. it was up from a abysmal 2020. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, Post 2021. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where when you look at what happened in 20, uh, what was it? Oh, geez, I'm so all over the place. The 2020 awards had 23.6 million viewers which is still way more than what was this year. And the 2019 had 29.6. So when you look at it as a graph, it's a, it's a spike, but it's like a minor spike. Yeah. And it's really probably after the slap. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, all let's, let's move on from the Oscars. I think we we've uh, exhausted that. Basically we're not super enthused about it. The slap was the slap. You're going to hear everybody's opinion about it and Coda won. So, hmm. so yeah, that's the Oscars in a nutshell. That's the Oscars in a nutshell. We did it. We did it. Uh, (laughs) Let's, let's talk about some other things. Uh, One of the other big, well, here, let's, let's, let's have a palate cleanser before we talk about more drama Joker scene. Yeah. Matt Reeves waited all of what two weeks to mm-hmm. release the deleted scene that everybody wanted to see, which was the Joker from the Batman, um, which was basically Silence of the Lambs meets Joker and Batman, um, yeah. which is fine, whatever. Um, it's I, I'm going to just say that we're going to talk about this a little bit in spoilers. Um, we're not going to ruin the Batman, but we're going to talk about this scene. Um, so, Mike, what did you think of uh, Barry Keown? I think, or Keegan or yep. whatever. Yep. Um, that guy, great actor. What do you think of his Joker than now that we've seen a bit more of him? Uh, I liked him a lot more in this scene than I did in the scene that kept him in. Right. If that makes sense. It does. Uh, he comes across a lot more Joker-like 
rather than someone doing the impression of someone doing an impression of the Joker, um, <laughs> which is what it kind of felt like in the scene. I'm, I really hope, Brian, you've seen it by now and I'm not. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, Brian, what did you think? Was, uh, was this the Joker that you were like, okay, this works? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> no, because I, I do agree with Mike, actually, that this this was better than what was in the movie. But, you know, going back to the movie itself, you know, I wasn't at all surprised that, that this character would show up, uh, in the, in the theatrical release. Um, I'm shocked that, that this scene, you know, leaked at all. Um, didn't leak. Like you said, it didn't leak. They officially released it. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Yeah. What was it all two weeks? Is that what you, yeah. yeah. So, um, I, I just, I don't know. I'm kind of, I, I have many, many, many thoughts about this, about this film, which I did enjoy, but, um, but as far as Joker is concerned, as far as what he did, I, I don't know, even though I thought it was better uh, than what was in, in the film, I, I'm not like, you know, dying to see another Batman film where he's going up against this guy. I don't don't think we're going to get it. I, I, and, and that's and that's my kind of reaction to this is I think this is a cool little tidbit, but I don't think it really matters in the scheme of things. I think okay. um, I don't think Matt Reeves has any desire to do the Joker in the next movie. Um, uh, and I think what he was going to do is he was going to do this as a cool little nod. And then he probably had second thoughts because he's like, well, clearly people are going to be like, well, you're teasing a Joker movie, aren't you? You know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so he's like, well, I'll just have the little tease, the the minor, minor tease. And then people are like, why didn't you give us more Joker? And so he released it. You know, it's kind of a, a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Pretty much. But yes. I think what we're getting is just, you know, a really unique iteration of the Joker that exists in this universe um, that may or may not come back. Um and I'm quite okay with dark that. and unsettling. I'll give him that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. I do like the inspiration being the uh, the uh, the man who laughs. Is that the name of the movie? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm blanking. Mm-hmm. I don't have that. It is. Me. Yeah. Um, and and that's cool. But then when you see him and he's way more deformed, it kind of looks like it's a bit more. Uh, even though Reeve says it's not the acid, which is canonical, it does seem like there was a bit more of a deformity there. Mm-hmm. Um. Or, and, or at least he's you know marred himself to the point of it. right yeah. so so we're unsure about you know and i think that was actually pretty brave and smart to do because you have to he has to have that sort of desire to be like or that that devil on his shoulder saying show the whole thing you know and he didn't <laughs> mm-hmm. and i'm sure warner brothers was like we can make a toy out of this um and of course fanboys <laughs> pieced every frame together to the point of making a clear fanboys are gonna fanboy and you gotta you gotta understand that yeah um i just you know i i i get why it was cut just because it would have totally distracted from the movie Mm -hmm. um it would have veered way too much off the story but you know i'm glad it's released it's whatever yeah yeah it was it was a fine scene but it it ultimately was cut because it didn't contribute to the overall plot yeah yeah a perfectly fine deleted scene that may or may not have any sort of ramification i i'm 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 super hoping that they don't just immediately go to the joker for the next one i don't need a joker tv show um uh, i think it was rodrigo and i were kind of joking with each other that this was matt reeves basically saying like i'm gonna give you joker before you tell me to put like Heath or not Heath ledger i'm sorry joaquin phoenix in there um Mm -hmm. he's like yeah 
this is my joker no take backs um so yeah let's move on cool uh let's talk about more drama specifically tom cruise and mission impossible 7 slash mission impossible 8 can you first off we're up to eight of these damn things that's crazy right and they're so good they they get better yeah fallout's so good I can't wait till we can um, talk about. I know you hate do it, they? Harbor, but yeah, they do. They? they do. They do. They do. They do. They really do. I don't anyway, know about this quarry character. What he's doing? I know you're an MI2 diehard. Yeah, <laughs> nothing's been as good since. That really is no, the not part. enough doves. Um, <laughs> so, so for those that didn't read these a very long Hollywood Reporter behind the scenes uh, dissection of what's going on in the Mission Impossible franchise, it's fascinating. Um, it's about a week old now, but I think it's worth talking about because Mission Impossible 7 was supposed to come out, what, 2021? Yeah. Yes, and yeah. got pushed to 2022 because of COVID, all that. There was that whole tape of Tom Cruise yelling at his crew, uh, cursing at them, saying, like, we got to do this movie. You guys can't act like assholes, all that stuff, right? About COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then uh, the film gets pushed again, again. They were going to do uh, back-to-back filming or actually, like... Um, concurrent filming it seems where they do seven and eight at the same time but that's got changed because of covid all this other stuff and then there's this report that basically says that tom cruise is de facto holding mission impossible seven hostage um so that he can get the budget he wants for mission impossible eight and the way that him and macquarie write these movies is basically uh on the fly form yeah (laughs) and it's nuts. Um, it is pretty nuts. I agree. So, so the big takeaways for this, and we can discuss them more. So basically what happened was Mission Impossible 7 had massive rewrites to the point where they added an entire basically third act scene on a submarine because they wrote it in Mission Impossible 8 and were like, okay, well, now we got to add it to 7. Basically with COVID costs and everything, the and, and Macquarie and crews writing uh scenes like days before they're supposed to happen uh the production ballooned to 290 million dollars for mission impossible i think what they wanted ultimately because they had this big submarine thing in eight is they wanted to tee it up yeah they wanted to to kind of it wasn't going to be like this be all end all submarine thing which is going to come in eight spoilers i guess and uh yeah so now we're here arguing about a submarine thing that <laughs> well the movie wrapped and they're mm-hmm. like just kidding we're gonna add a submarine and <laughs> and paramount's like what and then you had news that perhaps cruise and Macquarie are both unvaxxed after tom cruise yelled at the crew oh, which oh, is nuts yeah, i'm a little confused <laughs> about this uh, yeah like, to be to be completely honest outside of that I'm completely on Tom Cruise's side. <laughs> okay. And like, then there's genuinely on Tom Cruise's side here. And then yeah. there's the the this idea that Tom Cruise, uh, this is kind of just an aside that I think is fascinating. He makes more money than Paramount does on these movies because he's one of the last stars that makes money on day one on these movies. Mm-hmm. So he yeah. gets a percentage of that box office gross that you guys see. He gets yep. that money. That's yeah, nuts. Yep, yep. And then uh, this is the real kind of meat of the drama is that he is holding it hostage Mission Impossible 7 because he knows that once he releases Mission Impossible 7, they will handcuff his his uh, overspending on Mission Impossible 8 based on how 7 performs. And he mm-hmm. also has lawyers involved to fight the 45-day window, which is kind of the new de facto 
theatrical exclusivity window for Paramount, so, especially. Yeah. And yeah. WB. Yeah. it's just everybody, everybody's doing this 45 day Disney even. Um, I think Sony's the only one that's really kind of milking it because they don't have yeah, a, they, they don't have their own little mothership streaming service. Regardless, what do you guys think of this, this drama? We'll start with Brian. Cause obviously you're not a huge fan of mission impossible, but uh, now that we, we, they pull back the curtain a little bit. What do you think? It, really quick. I love ghost protocol. I think that is a okay. masterpiece, masterpiece. Everything after that, whatever. You but, <laughs> um, well, you know, my, my middle name is Yancey. Um, <laughs> but first of all, I just, I think all of this is just terrifically entertaining. I mean, this, and it just totally speaks again to the fact that I, I love Tom Cruise as an actor, but I just, behind the scenes, he is just something else. Um <laughs> What, what do I think about all this? Um, I, I, it's, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway here is, is that I just didn't know that, you know, the, these things are essentially being, yeah, like, like you said, kind of made up on the fly. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I don't really know what to say about that or um, yeah, I, I guess I, I don't, I don't know. As entertaining as I find this, I'm also tremendously confused. Um <laughs> You know, and I, 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 I think that Tom Cruise. Actually, maybe I won't. I'll stop right there and ask you guys. Do you guys think Tom Cruise knows what he's doing? That he is actually a very smart person, or yes. that he is he is completely aware of what he's doing? Oh yeah. What does he do at the end of the day? Like, does he like just like go like okay? Not everybody masturbate to pictures see, of himself. Oh, like Jesus. I, what is? I just have to wonder. Does he just like go into a darkened room and then like turns the switch off and then just sits there for a while like? Like oh, in we those not quite human I, movies mm, with Alan Thicke. Well, you know, or- here's the thing. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to uh, presume I know what he does in his private life because there have been plenty of documentaries and or um, biographies and and rags that have tried to break that down, and it's probably a bigger mess than we have time for. That said, I think he's a very smart person, and he mm-hmm. knows that if he can get Paramount to spend 300 million on a movie knowing that he doesn't care how much paramount makes on a movie is brilliant because he's saying like i don't care how much money you guys spend i'm making money off the box office so i'm gonna make these movies as big as they can be but also you're paying for a tom cruise movie yep he's gonna make sure it's a tom cruise movie yeah and that's why i'm on his side because he's going to fucking kill himself before he lets this movie be boring yeah. Um, yeah. And so, here's the thing. You read yeah. this and you're like, Paramount, man, what are you doing? But then you realize this is kind of how it's been because this dates back all the way to Rogue Nation, mm-hmm. which was um, where who directed Rogue Nation to, by the way? Macquarie, didn't he? That was Did Macquarie, he? wasn't it? Yeah. I just, well, maybe it was. Oh, yeah. Maybe it was the one before that. Maybe it was Ghost Protocol. But where there was a thing that even before Macquarie got involved as a director, he was like, ghostwriting like oh, third yeah. act yeah, yeah, changes yeah. and stuff. oh yeah you're right you're right and mm-hmm. and it just shows you that when they hired mccory they knew this is how him and tom cruise operate so yeah, well he's who, a fixer yeah he's a fixer yes yeah. he's like he's like uh tony gilroy in that respect exactly he's a hired gun who makes millions of dollars to make it seem like he was never there <laughs> and and so you give him the keys and you give tom cruise the keys and you know that this is how they work then that's just how it is, man. It's fascinating though. I love these sort of behind the scenes things where nobody's getting hurt or nobody's, you know, there's no slaps or anything. This is just like, this is that old school Hollywood behind the scenes stuff that they used to like make movies about, you know, which exactly. I, I find fascinating. 
Yeah. And and Tom Cruise is a movie star and you're paying for a Tom Cruise movie. Let him make the Tom Cruise movie. You're going to spend a ton of money, but it's going to make a ton of money. Uh, and until it doesn't, just keep spending it and he's going to keep, you know, doing crazier and crazier shit. Just do what he wants. That's what I'm saying. Tom Cruise. He's going to Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is going to Tom Cruise. And, mm-hmm. and with that, I want to show him the money. Show him the money. Yeah. And with that, I want to transition to our, <laughs> our main topic, which is panic room. Um, and I, and I know that seems like a clunky transition, but to me, this is kind of when, when we're looking at things to talk about this week, um, of all the anniversaries that are here, you have Blade 2, which is a March anniversary. There are a number. The Godfather, obviously, it's 50th. I think... Blade 2. I know. I know. Yes. Blade 2. I think the Panic Room thing is the most interesting for me, not in the sense that the movie itself is Panic Room and David Fincher and Jodie Foster and all that, Jared Leto, but the fact that in 20 years, we've gone from the fact that Panic Room, um, for those who don't know, Directed by David Fincher, stars Jodie Foster, Jared Leto, uh, Young Case too, <laughs> and was his uh, follow up to Fight Club, um, and went on to make almost two hundred million dollars worldwide, um, off of I think it was like a forty forty five million dollar budget, and it just re- it reminded me that in twenty twenty two, just twenty years later, this movie would have been sent to Hulu or Netflix. Absolutely. This and deep would, have made, would have made a $0 box office, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is fascinating for me, for, to me. Um, so first, let's, let's talk about kind of our thoughts on Panic Room 20 years later. Um, we'll start with Mike. What mm-hmm. do you think of Panic Room having spent 20 years with this movie in the pantheon of Fincher movies and all that? Yeah, it grows on me more and more every time I watch it. Um, I remember originally seeing it like back when it came out in the theaters and being like, Oh, it was solid. It was fine. Um, And not really thinking much of it, but like the more I see it, the more I like kind of respect it. It's not necessarily seven or Zodiac where I'm like, those are masterpieces. It's Um, yeah. It's like bookended. Well, not by seven, right? but Zodiac was the next one. Yeah. It's certainly, you know, up there. I think it's maybe in his top five. Um, but it's still, you know, one of his better films. It's it's one of the more basic, straightforward thrillers of his. It's like he almost wanted to make this like Hitchcockian diehard movie where we've got, <laughs> you know, our barefooted yeah. tank topped hero who was caught off guard by threatening invaders. And then there's a cat and mouse heist flick through yeah. Fincher's eyes. And there's, you know, a bit of diehard in there. And it's a super tight script that like anticipates the holes an audience is going to poke and then fills them in, in interesting ways as it goes along. And obviously the cast is amazing. Jodie Foster who came in at last minute uh, over Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Uh, Cause Nicole Kidman, oh, for those that right. don't know, she was, she got injured. She re aggravated something to the point where they were doing um, like, I believe they were doing tests with case Stu and Nicole Kidman. They were. And we're doing rehearsals. Yeah. And, and then she re-aggravated an injury and they're like, oh shit, what are we going to do? And, you know, can do a lot worse than Jodie Foster on a, in a pinch. That's for sure. Yeah. She, she does great. She's an, uh, an amazing lead. And even Jared Leto, who, (laughs) I mean, he can, he can turn in a great performance, but he can also turn in like one of the most fascinatingly bad performances you've ever seen. And he, I think he's at his best when he's playing like these grounded scumbags. Yeah. And in this one, he's definitely that. Um, and Forrest Whitaker is awesome. Dwight Yoakam. It's just choose the scenery so yep. much. And it's awesome. Uh, it's, it's like those, 
middling thrillers in lesser hands, you know, it would have been probably like something like that. But Fincher just makes it really sing with the tension and emotion he's able to wring out of it at the right moments. Yeah, to I, me, it's a super okay. like precise movie. Yes. Um, it's it's if you look at Fincher's output on this like curve, he goes like, well, it's not much of a curve. It's more of a mountainous like climb. He just gets more <laughs> and more precise with each movie. Yes. And you started to see like seven's rough by the standards, but you started to see him play with like CGI in weird ways in like fight club. And then in panic room, he's just like, totally like everything is like angles. And it's just, it's yeah. I think Fincher's coming into his own right around panic room. Um, and then he just gets better. Uh, Brian, you said you were coming oh. in hot when we discussed talking about this movie. I'm assuming yeah. that means you're not a huge fan of this. I, I don't like this movie. Um, you're wrong. I, there are things like you, you first of all you mentioned Yoakam and that was the first person I thought of because yeah he he Raul I almost want to say he's kind of brilliant in this film he's amazing you can say that I mean I think about the, the scene that stands out to me is I don't are, are we are we spoiling how much are we spoiling here it's been I mean, 20, 20 years, years. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, that that scene where I believe he is about to kill her ex-husband is that Mm -hmm. right am Mm -hmm. i remembering this right that's like a a haunting sequence um i i will say i think this was the first movie that i ever really realized who jared leto was because i hadn't seen requiem for a dream by this point um i surely would hope not weren't you too young what how old was i i think i was was 17 at this time okay exiting my teens okay so, all right so maybe you were allowed to watch requiem for I, yeah um i don't even know if i knew what it was but i had seen <laughs> pie anyways um but there's there are i, some- I did my i watched pie before requiem too so did I you feel you there yeah that was a, a mind fuck of a movie but that we'll get to that too right another time yeah um i mean i like the I think she has di- diabetes, and I think that's kind I of thought you were going to say diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would have been a great movie! Oh my god, can you imagine? She has di- she has diarrhea the whole movie. I just need her to get some Pepto Bismol. <laughs> like throws the Pepto into there as the door is closing. Closing. There, there's some cool stuff here. Like, yeah, actually, I like some of the parts where the door is closing, and that one of the intruders is like right there, and there's there's some cool stuff. Um, what do I hate? Okay, so you mentioned the CG. Um, and yeah, in Fight Club, we have these giant sweeping shots of the camera going through the engine block of a car. Mm-hmm. And now we have it, the camera going through the, the handle of a coffee pot. Like, Well, no, no. To be fair, Fight Club also has a CG traveling through like trash cans and stuff. True. And, then, and then they've got like the Ikea background stuff. And he, yeah. he started to, to play with it. And then he just... I think it works. Yeah, I, it's I not. You, you're like be a showy. He wanted. He, I think he was watching a lot of Hitchcock. Yeah, you're you're making it seem like it was like Fast and Furious, where you see like the nos get injected, and it wasn't like that. It was. Um, I just felt it was unnecessary. Like this could have been a much better movie if they'd had none of that shit at all. Like just have wrong. it be like just a very simple film. Recast some of the people. I don't necessarily what? think Forrest Whitaker was that terrible. What? Maybe get less. I mean, maybe get Leto out of there. I thought Fox is fine. You're destroying this movie, Brian. Kristen Stewart is great in this movie. Yeah, she's She's really good. Thirteen, and she's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. she's all right. She's she's all right. But it's it. I don't. Not her finest moment is what you're saying. 
it it's it was a sort of movie where I think I where was, was like, Jonathan Lipnicki? Uh, <laughs> um, I I don't know. I think by this point I was starting to maybe see some of the cracks in Fincher that wouldn't really be repaired until maybe Benjamin Button because I I just hate what? Zodiac so All much. right, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about. Oh. It. Oh, okay, Brian, did you've you lost just him. say Benjamin Button is a good movie and Zodiac is a bad movie? Uh, what the hell, dude? I think I did. Oh, I feel God. Like... So, okay. Or did Let... we discuss this on the Fincher pod? I feel we, like did. we did. I was just about <laughs> to say, I was just about to say, if you want to hear our discussion about Fincher in more detail, specifically, we about a year ago, we talked about our three favorite movies. Uh, I think Mike picked seven. I picked yeah. Zodiac and you picked the game. Correct, Brian? Correct. Correct. <laughs> and the game holds up. Definitely go watch the game. It's kind of unnecessary. What is no. what a dumb follow up to to Fight Club? I don't know. Oh boy. I, okay. Oh boy. So so what I the reason why I really wanted to talk oh, about this movie boy. is I, I I knew we were going to disagree <laughs> over the the content and I knew Brian was going to come in hot with some some scalding hot takes. Um but but what <laughs> I I got to go back to my original premise here which is this is a movie that was made uh for under 50 million debuted at 30 million in the opening weekend back in 2002 when movies really didn't do that all that often mm-hmm. um keep in mind we were we weren't even in a, a hundred million dollar weekend yet because spider-man was going to come out a few months later um and went on to make 200 million do you know it outgrossed the scorpion king and blade 2 both uh, domestically and worldwide deservedly so yeah and also know, it's written by david kep who wrote Mission Impossible, <laughs> right? Big no, but time. what I what I mean yeah, though is the wrote the trigger effect, which is a terrible movie. But. <laughs> that's fair, but he also wrote Jurassic Park. So okay, we we're in, that's a different well, podcast. Well. <laughs> anyway, back to my my idea here is that this is a movie that if you told Fincher or any director that here's the script for Panic Room, you get fifty million dollars, and you're gonna well, first off, they wouldn't get fifty million; they get probably closer to twenty. Yeah, you get and 10. and and you make it for Netflix which is a bummer, right? Like this is where we are now. And we were talking about before, you know, Tom Cruise demanding 290 million for Mission Impossible 7 and Paramount giving it to him because everybody knows those are the only movies that make money nowadays. We were talking back in the Oscars. We were talking about how the movies that are relevant, quote unquote relevant, are Spider-Man and Avengers and Marvel stuff because that's the only stuff that makes super huge money. Um and and it wasn't that way. Like Panic Room's like a top twenty grossing movie in two thousand two, mm-hmm. and it's just not anymore. No, that kind of movie would not be in the top anything anymore. True, which is sad. And I, I love mean, those kind of movies. Right, that's what I'm saying. In twenty years, are we going to talk about any of this? Is there a thriller on a Panic Room level that like seeped into the public conscious consciousness that we'll talk about in twenty years from now? I don't know. You think we talk about Spider-Man movies too much nowadays. Wait till, you know, 20 years from now when we look back at 2022 and we're like, well, that's all we got to talk about. (laughs) Can I say really quick, Howard Shore does an incredible job with the soundtrack, with the score. It is so haunting. Fincher Fincher always has solid scores. Like it, it just, it's forever. Like all of his movies, you cannot. Yeah. And now fun fact. Uh, before we completely go away from Panic Room, um, Joe. Uh, so Jodie Foster takes the the part from Nicole Kidman. Do you know who played uh, her husband's girlfriend on the phone? No, Nicole Kidman. Uh, no, nice. What? 
Yeah, there was around the time that she was promoting Ricardo's for the Oscars. Um, they were talking about Panic Room, and she has nothing but nice things to say about like the situation. It doesn't seem like there were creative differences that were masked for like an injury or something. Like sometimes yeah. happens. It sounds like it was just a bummer of a thing. Like she wanted to star in it, couldn't, and is totally happy how it turned out, and that's awesome. That is that. That's pretty cool. Okay, but Good you movie. know, this made me think also. Um, because when we talk about box office now, um, there are Batman movies and there are Spider-Man and Marvel movies, and that's about it. Everything else is either not getting released in theaters or is just underperforming. So do you guys ever, do you guys see this turning around ever? Is it, is it just blockbuster city in the theaters and then, you know, everything else is relegated to streaming? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Or just like, you know, those, those two week runs to qualify for Oscars, you know, like, right. We're talking about Coda, like Coda is a streaming qualifications change. (laughs) That's the other thing too. Maybe they'll have, no, they can't do that. But you know, Coda made like nothing in theaters. Yeah. Uh, One best picture. That would have been a movie that probably would have done really well 20 years ago. Um, Because there were, you know, your mom and dad were going to theaters. Now they're just not. Yeah. They don't care. Because Mike D'Angelo makes binge-worthy podcasts (laughs) and tells you to stay and watch TV all the damn time. (laughs) I watched Moon Knight and you gotta watch Moon Knight. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like some some recent news, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Searchlight, which uh, used to be Fox Searchlight, which used to be the like one of those studios that indie kind of not even indie, like Shape of Water and stuff like that, like winning oscars is now sending movies to hulu it'll send three or four movies this summer straight to hulu um then yeah, you had it's like 80 year right or something like that yeah but i'm saying just from searchlight i think fox yeah. is sending like more but then you have or i'm sorry 20th century studios and then you have the new alien movie fede alvarez but going straight to hulu yeah i don't get that that yeah, that's just that, that is strange that is strange so you're just seeing these these are movies that would have been blockbusters maybe not you know I mean, Half you look at billion. the last Alien movies and how much they made. So, right. I get it. <laughs> Do you though? I mean, like, I'd want to see it in the theater, but right. That's what obviously I'm saying. the largest, you know, a large audience doesn't. There's this chasm now where there's movies that are $300 million, like Mission Impossible 7 and Spider Man and Avengers. And then there are movies that are $25 million. And those mm-hmm. go to straight to streaming and maybe a couple weeks in theaters. And it's just like, and then wow. every once in a while you'll get like you know, Lost City or Free Guy or whatever it is, and that'll do pretty well. And but look what they had to do for pretty well. Look what they had to do for Lost City more. though. Yeah, they had to put like <laughs> they had to, in the marketing. They're like all over Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter, Channing Tatum, uh, Sandra Bullock. Ass. It's Sandra Bullock, and then let's spoil the the Brad Pitt cameo. Yeah. Just because we need asses in seats. Right. But I wish, you know, I haven't seen the movie, but the the trailer, you're like, oh, well, that would have been cool to have like as a surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're like, a- we have to have asses in the seats. So yeah. we have to show everything. Yeah. This is the age of let's just spoil it all, which sucks. That's why I avoid trailers like the plague nowadays. Right. But it's just, it's it's weird that even something like a, a rom-com romancing the stone ripoff. Yeah has to be packed with a-listers has to have the most huge 
uh, trailer relaunches and stuff just to 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 compete with crack Batman. thirty million. Yeah, and and Panic Room did it twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. And Panic Room is like an an R rated unrepentant thriller that sure it had some big names, but also was just like you know. We, With we that used to said, get I think a David Fincher movie would warrant at least thirty million at the box office. Really? How much did Mank so. make? I mean, Mank yeah, was man, a totally man. different thing. Was it though? Mank is not classic Fincher. Fincher was trying to do something else with Mank, and I no, but say on record, I don't like Mank. <laughs> right, but Mank is is the newest Fincher movie that went straight to Netflix. Yes. Mm. You know, before that he had Gone Girl, but Gone Girl was. Uh, but because they were the only studio that would make it. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Fincher can't make movies anymore that are theatrical releases. And I think the studios were right. <laughs> well, but his next one that he's working on now is going straight to Netflix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because now he's has, he has the relationship and they'll let him do whatever the hell he wants and he doesn't have right. to worry about it. And 20 years ago, he could go off and make Panic Room and it would make $200 million and he wouldn't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. He could go make Zodiac, a three-hour, almost three-hour uh, serial killer drama, not even a thriller, a drama, you know? Benjamin Button, that's a zigzag, you know, uh, <laughs> social network is like yeah. one of the best movies of the past, you know, 15 years. And that movie damn sure would have, that movie honestly would have been turned into a limited series on. Oh, Hulu. it would have been a limited series. A thousand percent. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. The so that season of super pumped is actually about Facebook. Right. So making social network too, but a sequel. Like, oh right. yeah. Super pumped. So I just, I, it, when I, when I saw panic room, it just kind of like rang the alarm that, you know, we're not breaking new ground here. We're not telling you guys anything you haven't heard. It's just one of those things where you just, when you put it in perspective and you see the 20 years ago, wasn't that long. Uh, it might seem that way for you zoom and TikTokers out there, but <laughs> for us, it doesn't seem like that long. No, and that, that was kind of weird to look at social network and go 2010. That's 12 years. Oh, f- Yeah. 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 And it's just, it's, it's, it's a sad state of affairs and it's a bummer and you can watch panic room on Hulu. <laughs> Can't see it in the theater, obviously, but yes. And it's um, fantastic and worth your time. It is. It is. Don't listen to Brian Farver. We do not endorse his comments. Um, <laughs> not at all, but uh, you know, he's obviously he has his right to disagree Look, with us. He will endorse the hell out of Mr. Boogity, but he won't <laughs> endorse panic, panic room. room. I'm I just, know. I'm just saying, I'm you just know, saying. We could argue about that all day, but <laughs> it's it, it would waste about as much time as a viewing of Panic Room. Um, <laughs> well, okay, let's put it into terms just real quick before we we move on. Uh, put it in terms for Brian. Your your favorite movie of the past year was uh, Ghostbusters. Um, was that um, your number one? No, actually, I'm going to say Spider Man kind of edged it out. Okay, but say. but up it, there, right? Yep, yep, that movie sure. did not do well. Granted, pandemic, whatever, all no. those excuses, but they did everything they could to make Ghostbusters a thing in 2021. I think it did well-ish for a pandemic, you know. Well, did it though? Yeah. But no but idea. what I, but what I mean is is that like not even a Ghostbusters anymore <laughs> is like a guaranteed hit in theaters. And I, I have a question about this. You're 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 making me think about something here. So, what is this going to do? to the traditional movie theater is it going to turn into this like i don't even know what to what how to describe what i have in my head right now but like uh if liam neeson thrillers 
Uh, no, those are going straight to DVD. <laughs> Physically, Liam Neeson like, can't even get a fucking wait. Did you just release. say straight to DVD? Yeah, they go to DVD too. VOD, <laughs> whatever. Physical media all the way. VHS, bring it back. Well, I mean, I, I I don't even know like what to say about the indie art houses, but like, it, like I don't even know about like the traditional chain, like a like a a Marcus or an Alamo Draft House or something. But like, if if what we're saying here is that you know, the only sure things now are superhero films and films of that ilk. Are we just going to now, if if theaters are to survive in some fashion, is it just going to be like this one screen mm. building with like, I don't even know what no, to, it's, how it's, to describe this right now. Like, I, I think you're going to have two types of theaters. I don't know. Kind of like what you have now. I think you're going to have those indie art houses, which are going to be few and far between because they're not yes. all going to survive. And they're going to be major metropolitan areas. Um, and those people are still going to show the the movies that, you know, cinephiles, quote unquote, are going to want to go see. But they're going to have to travel. You know, you have to drive like 45 minutes. And then yeah. the, 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 uh, the big AMCs and Regals are going to show these crap movies. And I say crap as a, a general you know, thing, but basically this idea of these, these blockbusters, this popcorn stuff. I mean, yeah, Spielberg's been talking about this for years. Like he's been saying it's going to be event cinema and then everything else is streaming and he's right. And, and nobody believed it. And then the, the pandemic just exacerbated it because it gave all the studios, the, the go ahead to shorten windows and to send stuff to streaming first run and, and all that. But yeah, we're just, it's, when you start looking at these these you know celebrations of anniversaries they're celebrations of great movies but to me they just always remind me of just like how much things have changed <laughs> and it's it's a sad state of affairs for people who are actually into all types of movies and not just the justice leagues and the army of the dead and it's those movies a, though it's a different avenue you're not going to get to experience yeah. it in the same way you would have but like you look at a movie like fresh that came up this year um, on Hulu, and it's a really delightful little thriller that you can pop on and watch at home, and is very much worth your time. It's just you're not going to be able to see it with a crowd, which it yeah. would have played pretty well with a crowd too. Yeah, it's just a bummer, man. It's just a mm-hmm. bummer. So you're just going to get those, yeah, you're just going to get the low budget horror, low bu- micro budget movies that can turn a quick buck, and then you're going to get superhero stuff, and that's just that. six coming next year. Yeah. So okay. Um, before we we say bye, I want to end with some recommendations because mm. I think what we can't just sit here and poo-poo everything without telling people what they should watch. Um, so I'll start with uh, with Mike here. What should people watch since they're yeah. obviously not going to the theaters? I mean, mm-hmm. they they're going to see <laughs> Spider-Man, Batman, and Morbius next week. I'm going to recommend Spider-Man No Way Home. No, uh, <laughs> I, even though I love that film, it is a, I've seen it many times now that my boys have gotten a hold of it and they want to watch it over and over again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, my recommendations, I, I do recommend The Lost City that is out there and, you know, it made 30 million. So it's it's doing OK, but I think it is worth your time. It is harkening back to that romancing the stonish kind of thing. It's got a little, you know. Uh, it's a better treasure hunt movie than the Uncharted movie that came out uh, about a month ago, which I also saw in theaters because I love treasure hunt movies. Um, But that one just kind of was garbage. And the thing is, they've turned out a lot of like bad ones in the past 
uh, however many years, the Tomb Raider remake that came out was absolute garbage. Um, and you know, there have been other ones that, uh, I won't mention necessarily, but there's, there's other stuff out there that's coming out, uh, on streaming as well this week. Um, Moon Knight is coming out on Wednesday. I have seen the first four episodes. It is very good. Uh, if you ask me, it is not so good. If you ask Rodrigo, our editor in chief, <laughs> but let's, let's be honest. Every time we have a conversation about a Marvel show with Rodrigo, it's usually me going, this is a really good show. And Rodrigo going, no, no, it's not. And yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty much where, where I sit on, on Moon Knight. I think it's the best Disney plus show uh, that has come out yet. And oh. uh, oh. I praise well again it's a it's a treasure hunt movie it's basically uh one of those adventure films with a superhero movie and a did film and like a little cult horror thriller wrapped into it so it's all those things it's fun cool mm-hmm. uh brian any recommendations for the folks out there yeah i'll say the dropout i um i have really been enjoying this uh, more mm-hmm. so than i thought i would I, I i remember reading some article about how these sorts of tech you know, social network, these sort of shows or movies or projects or whatever just don't work very well. I think this one works extremely well. Um, that whole cast just rules. Um, yeah. And We've seen and watched all of those tech shows that you've mentioned over on Bingeworthy and had episodes for them over on Bingeworthy. So check those out. Yeah. With the We Crashed, we interviewed the showrunners with Super Pumped. We interviewed the showrunners with uh, the dro- the Dropout. We next week will be airing one for the finale, where we interview the showrunner Liz Merriweather. And all of these shows are worth your time, to be honest. Yeah, you loved We Crash, didn't you? We Crash is really good, uh, um, and they're all and different. Leto and and Anne Hathaway are phenomenal, and they're awesome. just all different. They're the same. We can paint a a broad brush with this idea that these are kind of like the the bubble bursting tech shows, you know? Because we saw like all the yes. you know. The social media very similar in kind of like their arc, but they right. have a different way of approaching it. But they're all with fascinating leads. Like each yeah. CEO that's that's talked about in Super Pumped, We Crashed, and The Dropout are wildly different, but all have kind of the same flaws. It's it's fascinating. Yes, they all worship at the altar of Steve Jobs and Mark yeah. Zuckerberg. Yeah. But they're but they're slightly evil in ways. Yes. It's it's yeah, crazy. Or just, or just delusional. Yeah. Yeah. They they drink their own Kool-Aid. Um, mm-hmm. then you have to play off what Brian said, if, uh, I don't know if Brian, you've even seen this, but if you like the dropout HBO released the inventor, which is a documentary about Elizabeth Holmes and mm-hmm. Theranos, which is really oh, good. I, I started that. I, I didn't get very far, but I did start it. Yes. Yeah. Because it's kind the of dropout was on. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you can watch the documentary or you can watch the show or you can watch both. Sure. Who knows? But either way, uh, that was a good documentary. The inventor out for blood mm-hmm. in Silicon Valley. Not my I have the book too. I, I the bad blood. I, oh yeah, that's that, that's a bit of a. a well, they're still trying story. to make that with Jennifer Lawrence in the lead, and Adam McKay really directing. I think they're still trying. I don't know. After a dropout, maybe the 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 Coles. Yeah, will I think they've covered kick. that territory yeah. pretty well. And uh, God, why? What's her name? Why am I blanking on it? Um, the girl who plays Elizabeth Holmes, uh, Amanda Seyfried. Uh, Amanda oh, oh, Amanda Seyfried yes. is very very good in it. And she wasn't, speaking of late editions, uh, it was supposed to be Kate McKinnon, if you remember. Oh, that was have been a no. terrible casting choice. Yeah, it was Kate McKinnon. I believe it was Kate McKinnon. Um, and man, then I'm she... glad they changed. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, hey, yeah. really quick quick pivot here. Uh, speaking of Adam McKay, uh, Mike, winning time. Oh, what oh. a show, right? Oh. 
I guess, cool. uh, yeah, let's, let's flip to that. I recommend that. I recommend Our Flag Means Death. I recommend Minx. HBO oh Max God, has a lot of good shows. So good. And, and playing off HBO Max is, is my intro or my recommendation. I was talking with Mike yeah. off, offline about this. DMZ. Um, yeah. DMZ oh, right. is Rosario Dawson uh, in a great role that she was made for. And Benjamin Bratt, the, the revival of Benjamin Bratt. It had been a minute since I've seen him in something. And the man is chewing scenery in the show. So good. And it's only four episodes. Come on, people. Yeah, that's four hour long episodes. Just watch it. You can do it. Yeah. So so we started by talking movies. We're ending by talking TV. That's basically the way <laughs> of the world the in 2022. Uh, if you want to watch anything with, you know, major actors and all that, then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And HBO Max obviously has a ton of good stuff. And we're not shilling just for HBO Max. Obviously, Moon Knight's Disney Plus, uh, yep. Dropout's Hulu, I believe. It is. Um, uh, we Crashed is Apple TV Plus, Coda's Apple. I mean, it's expensive to be a fan Wait, of TV nowadays. Did we recommend Coda? No, I'm just bringing it back <laughs> to, to you know, the best picture of 2022, well, of 2021, I suppose. Yeah, Coda. I, I know. I was just messing around. Yeah, so uh, with that, we're going to say goodbye. Again, as we joked about in the beginning, um, the show is probably going to go bi-weekly, um, but we're going to, you know, talk about a lot more stuff. Uh, not superheroes all the time. Goes all the time. Goes all the time. Goes all the time. How we always still talk about superheroes, but, you know. Charles, just, you just like went on a skippy skip mode. Did you yeah, hear that, Brian? Max, Max Headroom, indeed, yes. Whoa, really? <laughs> Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you found out my 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 secret. <laughs> I'm a robot, guys. Oh. Uh-huh. I don't actually exist. I was programmed by Rodrigo to write news and talk and, shit. And now you have no programming. Nope. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. We'll uh we'll we'll talk soon. Um thanks for joining me and uh I guess watch Coda. <laughs> no screw that actually i got one more recommendation. Uh, hurry hurry yeah okay apple tv plus it's premiering this week it's called slow horses it's oh Gary yeah Oldman. oh that's it's right so yes, good it's like right, a british right. john le carre kind of thriller and it's amazing so maybe good. one of the best trailers i've seen in a long time because uh it's uh who's the star gary gary oldman gary oldman yeah i am speaking with him tomorrow we'll have him on next week or actually the end of this week i think fucking name dropper over here just saying just saying whatever talk to commissioner gordon see if i can (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's uh i watched the trailer for that not that i can offer anything other than that but the trailer is really fucking good and it looks like a lot of fun i've seen the whole thing Cool. Uh, i don't i don't know if i can say this don't then don't then trailer for season two at the end it's already shot and it looks so good cool all right guys um yeah so watch slow horses on apple tv plus basically just buy all the streaming services give it all a whirl see what happens good stuff content in your mouth yeah all right bye Bye.